0: Welcome to The Reluctant Entrepreneur. My name is Johnny Tamale-Morgan. And in this podcast, we're going to talk to thought leaders, business leaders, and entrepreneurs about their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations, and their challenges. We hope that you can learn from what we've learned, and I hope that I can learn from all the wonderful guests that we have. Today, I had a really interesting conversation with James Hymers. He is director in health and safety. Now, health and safety has what I think is quite an unfair reputation. He feels very passionate about helping that reputation evolve, helping individuals, businesses and leaders see it as a facilitator of business success and not a hindrance to it enjoy for anybody who doesn't know who you are yeah who are you and where are you from
1: uh so my name is james hymers i'm currently work for pick everard i'm director of health and safety there so head of the discipline that we've got in pick everard great i um live in buckhamshire live in chesham Mm -hmm. um got a young family so i've got a a six-year-old and a nine-year-old at home nine-year-old yeah well she's nine in february but she's going on 13 so (laughs) and i feel your pain um and yeah, so I work in safety. I work in health and safety. I work in construction industry. So predominantly looking at a principal designer role, um, but it's something that I really enjoy. You I know, mean, I really love the idea of being able to be part of a project that's going kind to of build something um, uh-huh. and perhaps addressing health and safety issues through that design process. So uh-huh. yeah, I guess that's a, a little bit about me.
0: Is that if you always wanted to work within that profession? I don't.
1: I don't know that I always wanted to work in that profession. I've I've always. I've, I've always had a technical mind i've always i've always been moving towards like engineering so i've had a technical background i've done engineering degree and stuff like that um, i didn't know that i was going to go into construction i thought i was going to be uh, an engineer working on machines at some point um, but in my previous role for mars chocolate um, where i did get into engineering department i felt like a change i felt like that change needed to be something significant and i moved into construction and i tell you what it's been it's been really, really interesting, learned a lot, grown a lot. Um, and I really enjoy it.
0: Are you generally comfortable with change?
1: I, I guess there's, there's a little, little bit to that. So I'm comfortable with change. I feel confident that I can take on change. I'm not so confident with ambiguity. Mm-hmm. Um, I do struggle a bit with ambiguity. I like to know what the plan is. I like to know where I'm going. And I guess as I've kind of progressed in my career, ambiguity becomes an increasing part of the role and your ability to create a plan within that becomes more a part of the role. So it's something that I've had to become more comfortable with um, and work through.
0: Mm-hmm. How did you develop those skills to be comfortable <laughs> with ambiguity?
1: I don't know. I don't know that I ever will be. Uh-huh. I, I, I still have moments where I feel extremely unhappy because and I realise it's because it's an ambiguous situation. Uh-huh. Um, I, my career at Mars was excellent in that it gave me a lot of tools. Mm-hmm. So, you know, doing your career plan, so drawing out a timeline, identifying where you want to be and what you can do to get there, mm-hmm. and that could be in the next six months, next five years, whatever timeline you want. Um, so, yeah, I guess I got some tools which kind of mm-hmm. help with that, but. I'm not. I'm not sure you ever really get over it. No. How
0: how disciplined are you with using those tools, that timeline, that organisation?
1: Yeah, I, I used to be great. Um, on my OneDrive at home, I've got lots of documents from my career path through Mars and early construction, where I've I've literally written a log of my last six months. You know, my feelings. How did I? What did I? Accomplish what did I not do? What do I want to do better? Where do I want to go? Mm-hmm. And I've written all that stuff down, and it's, wow. a, it's amazing to go back and read that. Um, the last five years, I've not really done that, so I guess maybe that's something I should go back and do now because it's helpful. But it's very, very busy at the minute, <laughs>
0: very busy, and that's that's really interesting. So, not only did you make the plan and then document the plan as you progress through it, you also documented your experience of the plan so how you felt about it
1: yeah yeah
0: that's a very cool thing to do where
1: did you learn that from I don't know I don't know I I I I remember when I wanted to move from shift work at Mars so I was running the machines and I wanted to move into days um, so moving into the engineering team or um, I guess less hands-on to a more i'd, I'd just say professional role um i remember sitting down with the chap who was in and looking after training and he went through this process of drawing your time out and drawing out what you want to do uh, so i remember doing that i don't really know why i went back and was so disciplined about it but I, I don't know i guess it just brought me some comfort that i had achieved the plan that i wanted to achieve um or that i knew where i was going to go from where i'd been and there was some sort of reference point to that mm-hmm. um so I, I, I don't know where it came from but it's been useful
0: now you're you're in a position of leadership do you is it something you would promote into the people that report into you
1: a hundred percent hundred percent i think you you have to take ownership of your own career path mm-hmm. you have to take ownership of your own progression um all, all too often people come and ask me or my line managers um you know where do i go what's my next role i I think if you if you can't decide yourself where you want to be how can someone else tell you want to be you might not get to where you want to get to but at least you can track your progress along that journey and maybe see where a deviation is going to take you somewhere new unexpected positive negative don't know what that might be Mm. but yeah you've You've got to take that personal ownership for where you want to be in the future.
0: Yeah, sure. And do you feel, as a leader, that you're responsible facilita- for facilitating that conversation?
1: I, I, th- I like to, th- I like to take a proactive role in that. Yeah, I, I like to see people progress and develop. So I will definitely go out of my way to try and promote those conversations. I guess where I fall down is I can sometimes be a bit too proactive and. You can fall into that trap of doing things for people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely want to facilitate progression. I definitely want to try and find those opportunities. Um, in our in our business at the moment, we deliver projects. So we want to try and find the project that's going to give the individual the best experience or what is it about that project that they can learn that they don't know at the moment? And, and just try and find those ways, really, of keeping people moving forwards, definitely. Mm hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. In your, um, your, your journey of leadership, um, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned so far?
1: Um, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of lessons. What's my biggest lesson?
0: What's your hardest lesson that you've le- learned so far?
1: Um, that you don't have all the answers. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. I was having this conversation with someone the other day, um, it's some feedback that I got when I was early on in my career you don't have to have the answer mm-hmm. it's f- absolutely fine to come back and say let me come back with the answer mm-hmm. and let me take that away you know mm-hmm. um, because you'll inspire more confidence by recognising what you don't know than trying to mm-hmm. present something you don't know so that's really important when you're in those really senior really um, pressured meetings um, you've you, you, you can't make this stuff up in front of these people Mm -hmm. they they know the facts they know the figures um Mm -hmm. you've got to be honest and Mm -hmm. go and get the right answer Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i mean that requires real comfort with vulnerability definitely do you promote that vulnerability within your teams God, this is like an interrogation. I don't mean it to <laughs> do.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I I struggle with the term vulnerability. I don't.
0: Tell me why do you do,
1: why? Because I don't, I don't necessarily. S- I don't see the need to be vulnerable. I see the need to be fair and respectful with everyone that you meet mm-hmm. uh, and everyone that you deal with. Um, I I trust everyone that I speak to, um, and in that trust, I. I, I, I enter into a relationship where I will be open and honest in, in that conversation. So mm-hmm. I guess in that I'm not needing to promote vulnerability. It's already in there.
0: Yeah. Because you're trying to create psychological safety and psychological safety. So the problem is, that I think a lot of people, uh, consider vulnerability as, uh, or they confuse vulnerability with disclosure. Yeah. Like I have to tell you my deepest, darkest secrets. Yeah. And I don't think that's it at, at all. Yeah vulnerability is uh, simply not knowing or not being sure of the result of, um, as a consequence of you sharing something. Yeah. So you turning around and saying, I don't know that answer. Well, you don't know how these people really are going to react. However, if you've created within your team a, a culture of psychological safety, then it's highly likely that there's safety in, in them, yeah. <laughs> um, being vulnerable, because I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. It's certainly not going. This happened to me when I was young. Therefore, yeah. X Y Z.
1: That's true. And I, and I and what I have noticed is the more senior you, you become, the less people come to you to talk to you, mm-hmm. just on a level, you know. Like, mm-hmm. and I and I've, I, but I'm still the same person. Mm-hmm. I still want to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, people don't want to present themselves as perhaps. Un, unknowledgeable or can, to be seen as weak yeah. so they don't want to come and talk to you
0: Yeah, it's quite interesting some of the most senior leaders that I work with you know sort of global CEOs whatever some of them I would even argue are, are, are too critical about themselves and yeah. really really forensic about finding their their, their, their blind spots yeah <clears throat> um and seeking out the people that will be as honest with them as possible and they're quite hard to find because because people are scared of being too honest yeah yeah. which is sort of oxymoronical you're desperate for it but people won't do it absolutely Uh, interesting so so how would you we touched on this in a different conversation earlier how would you like to see your profession evolve over the next 10 years if you if you did a retrospective yeah. 10 years time you're looking back at these last 10 years yeah yeah what would you like it to look like
1: I would I would love to see this profession be recognized as a true profession within the industry so that you don't feel slightly embarrassed when you say Oh, well, I'm a health and safety manager, a health and safety officer. You know, you'd be proud. I'm in health and safety, mm. and that's a sound profession to be in. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I compare this to the engineering community. So I'm also a member of, um, SIBSI, so the engineering community. Been around a very long time. Engineering. Everyone knows engineering is very important. Engineering degrees are very, very highly respected. Um, and if if health and safety can start working towards that. Um, I mean that would be amazing and, and the talent and the people that we could attract into industry would be amazing and I think one of the things about health and safety though is it often gets right to the top of the table e- even if you don't <laughs> take that narcissistic approach of health and safety must be number one on the agenda it tends to get there anyway because it's very important so you've got this advantage over a lot of other kind of parts of the business to influence the business. And if you pair that with some really sound um, knowledge and evidence and capability, oh, you, you could really do an awful lot for a business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's vital. How do you how do, how, how do you create that sort of perfect combination?
1: <laughs> I don't know if we found the perfect combination just yet. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, what I try to do is always ask myself, what, am I adding value? Mm-hmm. So. In my role in an organisation, whatever project I'm on, am I adding value? Mm. What do I need to get to add value to the situation? Um, and I think if, if we all kept asking ourselves that question, then naturally we're gonna we're gonna move in the direction we need to go in. Um, but there's lots of work in the background, you know, to get universities um, with the right um, uh, subjects and, and courses to create pathways for graduates and for young people to come into industry. Um, there's businesses that promote it strongly so they can demonstrate the, 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 the advantage of having it. Um, and there's people like me and Jake, who you just spoken to who are very keen to kind of progress that. So mm. there's lots of exciting avenues that, that we can move along. Um, and I'm really excited for the future, I guess, in that respect.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, there's so many things, there's so many sort of pieces of the puzzle as you've just sort of articulated. Uh, And one of the great things is having people like you and Sunit and all these other people discussing their dreams and aspirations for the profession. And uh, so you being a voice and putting yourself out out there is a really cool thing. I'm thinking about well how does how does one inspire or attract um, people to come into it? Number one is obviously having people like you now, number two is its is foundation is in this next question. When there is a project that you have you, you, you've been handed, how much do you personally connect to the project as a whole, not just your part of it
1: mm quite strongly i guess yeah and maybe that's why i enjoy construction so much because i can see the purpose of what we're doing um and sometimes you get projects that you don't really connect very very well but it's trying to find that part of it that you can connect with mm. um and then so there's value in putting your time into that but yeah i guess everything that i i've worked on i try to see What are my skill sets? Where's the value that I can add into Mm -hmm. this? So that in that end product, that's the value that I've delivered and Mm -hmm. that's the value it's given to the Mm -hmm. greater purpose or world Mm -hmm. or whatever it is.
0: And when you see see a project completed, you know, and construction is so great because a thing is built. Yeah. Do you look at it and go, that's a bloody safe building, right? Or do you think, wow, look at look at the building you see it as a whole
1: as a whole yeah i mean health and safety is one small part of that that whole thing and that's part of the conversations we have in beyond you know right it's about there's there's program constraints there's cost constraints there's material constraints all these things come together and we've got to try and weave our way and pick our way through it but the end product is what you're working towards Mm -hmm. and uh a couple of things on that so what kind of i guess inspired me in construction is um, my wife's Chinese, and we go back to China a few times. But she's got family in China, and one of her uncles took us around Hong Kong. And whilst we're going around Hong Kong, he's saying to us, "Oh, I was part of building this building. Yeah. I was part of the foundation and all that." And you look at this thing, you think, "Wow, well, that's amazing! Mm. That's amazing yeah. that you had a hand to play in that." And um, a few few months ago, I was able to do the same thing. I went down to London. I had the family with us. Mum and dad came down. We're going to go see a show. Went to the BBC Centre. Next to the BBC Centre, a brand new building. Mm-hmm. I was part of the design team for that. And yeah. it looks absolutely amazing, mm. that building. And there was lots of different challenges that we spoke about. In, there uh, were <laughs> tiny, tiny parts. Mm. But the end result is there's this building that generations can enjoy. Mm. And they will perhaps not even notice that it's there. Mm. But it will serve a great purpose for a number of years now. And that's that's truly yeah. Uh, inspiring I think for people
0: I think that is inspiring I think that's quite exciting and can only be completed successfully with a really good team
1: oh yeah yeah it's all about teamwork
0: Mm -hmm. do you feel that the profession isn't seen as part of the team
1: well there's definitely a stigma isn't there there's definitely a stigma that once you get someone from health and safety involved you're not going to be able to progress do the things that you want to do um, and that's absolutely not what I'm about. Um, there are some things that I cannot let happen, um, but that's no different to the accountant telling you you haven't got enough money. <laughs> my my job is to try and help you navigate around those challenges. So, I have to I have to go out and I have to research and learn things so I can offer those solutions. Mm. Um, but I guess through all of that, it's understanding that. Your client or your project team, whatever it is, have all those other things that they have to deal with. Mm-hmm. It's not just your safety issue. The reason they've chosen the issue that they present to you is because they haven't got enough money mm-hmm. or the program's tight. Mm-hmm. So maybe you have to look at the cost-saving option, or maybe you have to look at a way around the program. Mm-hmm. It's not always tackling the issue in front of you. Sometimes you have to go beyond that and look around it. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so congruent with your. Um engineering sort of yeah background that that how do we put this puzzle together yeah exactly and that's so again i think that's quite uh, inspiring especially with people who think in the same way uh, uh that you are not the the no police you are you you are the critical friend yeah. right so if that's the problem how do we do it yeah let's not get rid of the, the goal the purpose the dream yeah but let's try and work out how to do it yeah exactly i yeah. think that is exciting
1: yeah. Can I ask you a question? You can ask me anything. So, how how um, I've been really intrigued as to how Speakers Gym helps safety professionals. Or you, the end product is that we see these events that you do mm-hmm. for Beyond, but how? What is it really that, that that you think that you do that helps our guys get to where they need to be? You know.
0: Um. What a great question. I feel agnostic, generally, towards the professions which we're asked to work in, or the industries we're asked to work in. What I have seen within uh, HSEQ is a lot of really talented people, a lot of very curious people who haven't... Yet, found a way to um, really articulate themselves Mm. because of reputation, because of habit. And what I care personally about more than anything, really, is helping people to break out their pigeonholes. Mm. I cannot bear when someone is diminished in some way because they're not from the right circles yeah and um and for me a real guide yeah in in almost anything that i do whether it's as a a family man with my my with my with my family my children with my wife or whether it's to do with the industries that we work in or whether it's to do with the people who are lucky i am lucky enough to to have with in our team i want to help them break out those pigeonholes Mm -hmm. and i want to help them to be able to uh express themselves uh well in a way that people can understand their true value Mm. now the barrier I think that we have quite a lot within beyond HSEQ and it's not exclusive Mm. by any stretch of the imagination to the health and safety and equality uh, sorry environment and quality profession is that um, I don't know how much the people within this specific profession Uh, take responsibility for their own actions. Right. I think there is a certain tiny bit of um, uh, people don't understand us. Almost victimhood. Yeah. And I think what's so inspiring about hearing you speak about oh I'm just part of the team which creates this amazing thing that real connection to being part of a team being part of purpose doing something bigger than yourselves yeah. and being a facilitator of that dream not a not not the the no police and being the critical friend yeah I think well how can I as as um, as a sort of uh, uh, owner of of from today how can we help uh people articulate themselves and their value as well as you just have
1: yeah Uh, i mean that's spot on and i think it's been wonderful this how you managed to get into this position to help with beyond hcq because it does facilitate and open up conversations that perhaps are not happening um they do happen in places yeah but they're just not kind of reaching the mark. But it's it's almost part of um, a victim of the of the way that it's all managed, isn't it, right? So because it, it's based on a legal framework. So you get told by the HSC, this is a law. You go to your employee and tell them this is a law and you can't understand it why they don't want to follow the law. <laughs> and the, the, but the world doesn't work like that. No. The world doesn't work on laws and someone being told what to do. And you see that in the construction industry now. Mm -hmm. for years and years and years we've been needing to move on and move forwards and um, evolve and we've not done it and Mm -hmm. in fact in some places we've gone backwards Mm -hmm. so now we've got the Building safety act so Mm -hmm. now we've got some more laws so now we've got more wonderful things that we can go and enforce on people but it's not fundamentally going to change how we do things the only way to change how you do things is if you learn and grow together and try and find those solutions you know
0: absolutely and i think yeah I, i mean two things come come to mind i was brought up by a lawyer and uh, he, my dad, didn't say this, uh, as in he didn't create this phrase. I don't know who did, uh, but he would say it a lot. The law is an ass, right? <laughs> uh, and and um, and and the problem is, I think, whenever there is a barrier put in, and I'm not saying that you should should uh, uh, discount what these these the, the law says, but I think it. it, it it, it Instead of being a, a wall, it should be the facilitator of a conversation. Yeah. Well, because of that, what can we do? Yeah. And how do we still achieve as well as we can uh, our aspirations? Yeah. And, um, and that's another reason why I think it's so important that people outside the profession come and have conversations uh, and are part of the evolution. Because... You can't, as a football manager, you can't just worry about the strikers. You've got to worry about everybody and see it as as everybody. And that's why the C-suite or certainly uh, the leaders within a business have to see the whole picture.
1: Yeah. It's perspective, isn't it?
0: It's perspective.
1: Nothing frustrates me more than people that cannot see perspective. Yeah. You know, and I mean, not to get political. You can see the Boris Johnson things that are going on now and yeah, yeah. Dominic Cummings, and all the comments that are coming through. But put it in perspective, I would not want to have been in that seat mm-hmm. during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're talking about competence and stuff and competence is key in health and safety, making sure you're competent for all that you do. But how do you determine competence for managing the pandemic? Like, but then it becomes black and white because it's in law, you need to be competent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you have to take that step back. Mm-hmm. try and see that perspective and see what what you can do with all these things that are presented for you do you know
0: competence is a uh, yeah absolutely but I think competence is right so to reframe this slightly or frame it in yeah to frame it in a slightly different way competence is vital right yeah. it's so vital in your ability to build trust with somebody but competence uh, is is um, a very active thing it's how you behave your studying your experience uh your reliability it's what you do every day and it's such a small uh, and and it's such a small it it is not the be all and end all in influence mm. uh and certainly not in trust there are loads of very very competent people who i would not let through my front door yeah right and uh and a, a, a really good example. My my daughter had uh, when she was two. She had an operation. She had to have a lymph node taken out mm-hmm. of her her neck. And it was our first child. I I, I felt like as a father, yeah. like a rabbit in yeah. headlights. The surgeon did the operation. She was in hospital for a couple of days, and I desperately dislike that surgeon. <laughs> I, I I really really dislike him. He was really, uh, com, uh, he was really, really competent, really fantastic at his job, but he had not a care in the world about our journey yeah. as parents through it. Yeah. Therefore, I actually really can not see how good he was. I found it really difficult to listen to him, yeah. and because he didn't care about his audience, he didn't care about us. Yeah, uh, uh, and and competence your ability to do a job has to be just the baseline yeah if that's what we're trying to achieve then our, our our objectives are far too low yeah yeah competence has competence is just a really wonderful part of what makes you a really good team member mm. and that's why intimacy and purpose and and understanding other people's values and yeah. and, and curiosity is almost more important yeah. purely because it is the gateway to people being able to see your competence. Sorry, I didn't mean to hit the mic. And um, however, talking in this fashion can be very intimidating mm. for people, mm. but it's it's the key to success, I think. Like it's the key to building a, a team which is going to deliver and high performance.
1: Yeah, and especially nowadays, I think, you know, if you you look at where we came from, where we didn't have computers, things were very binary, done on those typewriters or whatever, the skills needed back then are very different to the skills that are needed now. Mm -hmm. And we've got a workforce that can go and Google things and they can learn very quickly. And so, yeah, you need to foster that creative attitude and Mm -hmm. and that one and need to learn and go and investigate and the creativity. Mm in a different world we don't need to say tell people what to go and do and that's what it is they're going to do
0: 100 percent. you know you look at it from a teaching point of view without wanting to go down a rabbit hole um a teacher's job is not to impart knowledge knowledge is everywhere we can access anything that we want in a heartbeat a teacher's job is to facilitate learning yeah right and i think there's it's really easy to extrapolate that idea and put it into to like anybody you walk onto site and there's something dangerous yeah anybody can google yeah. well is that thing going to kill me yeah, like, yeah. you
1: don't, they don't need you to tell them exactly but yeah. i think that, that that does lead into something i'm quite excited about in health and safety there in terms of building up that capability in the, in the profession like i think i think there's like a nebosh uh, certificate for example mm-hmm. quite a basic kind of qualification and you can get quite a good safety job on the back of that But as we start to move forwards i'm really excited to see how that baseline knowledge starts to increase Mm -hmm. um, that people are now coming in with degrees and all these sorts of different things that they've got this higher standard of uh knowledge Mm -hmm. that they can go and do more with Mm -hmm. and with the tools that are coming through with ai and data management all these things that they'll be able to do some more quantitative analysis on some of these risks so actually when your business partner or ceo or whoever it is comes to you and says can you quantify to me the risk of this person slip on the floor? You can say, "Well, yeah, I've got the data. I've done the cost analysis, and I can tell you exactly what it is." Yeah. Whereas in the past, we've just been worse the law. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
0: Right, then you're really helping yeah. your business partner, your CEO. Yeah. You're part of the team. Then you're not yeah. a blocker.
1: Yeah. And probably yourself in that position, you can understand the business decision. Mm-hmm. So if if you can see that it costs too much versus the benefit to do this job you can see the black and white you can be part of that decision oh rather than just casting the winners well, it's the law we can't help we got to yeah. make sure they don't fall over yeah exactly because you can't you can't deal with the pushback on that can you no no
0: no 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 no, no, no. yeah exactly that's exactly it you hit a barrier yeah yeah immediately and there is so much more to the conversation yeah you're absolutely right oh gosh that's 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 really brilliant james thanks so much thanks so much for your time and 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 your vulnerability <laughs> and uh, everything that you've shared. I I think that you see the development of HSEQ in a really quite vibrant, quite exciting way. And I hope to have many, many more of these conversations with you and other people. Definitely. And I hope that beyond HSEQ can absolutely facilitate these conversations and and, and help evolve the profession. So thank you very much.
1: No, Paul, it's been great. Thank you. Great.
0: Pleasure.